Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. I love Pentecost. It's a beautiful day where everything is decked out with red and I get to wear ridiculous pants that y'all don't think uh, uh, are quite so obnoxious on this day. We even have doves hanging from the ceiling. That's a new one. Um, I love it. It's considered the birthday of the church, and so after church, um, those that would like to process down the hall and we'll have birthday cake and lemonade. 
And that's because the story in Acts that tells us of the Spirit coming over and the church really kind of coming to life and, and growing. And so it's the Spirit that we celebrate this day, the Spirit that descends down and ever since that moment has been um, reminding us that we are loved, of seeing the church at work. It's the Spirit that has enabled the church to grow. It has awakened our human souls. And it's the Spirit we celebrate this morning that is being made known in the four children here on the front row that are being baptized in a few moments. I think John's Gospel has an interesting way of understanding the Spirit. It's only in John's Gospel and once in the first letter to the community of John that we hear this word paraclete or advocate as we've heard it read today. Literally, the word means alongside. The advocate is there to be with the people alongside them when Jesus is no longer present. This chapter in John's Gospel that we have already spent a little time in in the last few weeks is when Jesus is reminding his disciples that he is going to Jerusalem and will no longer be with them after that moment, so he's helping them um, to prepare for a life without their friend. And so he tells them not to be afraid. My spirit, this spirit of truth, will be with you. The past three years, I kind of feel like truth has become a little muckier. The television stations have become more committed to spinning the truth in ways that suit the goals and visions of viewership and audiences, or at least more than I was aware of previously. And so I, I think this idea of a spirit of truth is, is a provocative one to explore today. What is truth? And what can God's truth tell us about our lives and how we are to live? How do we know what is truth? And so I'm drawn to this concept of a spirit of truth. And I don't normally think this is appropriate, but because we've talked about language, I think it's okay to dig into a little bit into the, into the roots. The Greek word of truth is aletheia. It is literally the state of not being hidden, uncovered. That Greek idea of truth is to uncover. I love that idea that it's revealing. It's not fixing or changing something, but it's uncovering it. So when we hear that spirit of truth, a spirit of uncovering, of unveiling, of seeing what is underneath the surface. I read about something rather extraordinary this week. Our, our family, um, a week ago today, we were, were getting back about midnight from vacation, and um, whenever you're traveling, I'm, I'm traveling, I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, um, I find myself when I know it's gonna be a long time, being a little anxious when there's lines and, and how the kids when they're, are gonna behave when they're tired and hungry. Um, and, and on one of our hikes, uh, we were out in Utah and we were doing all these hikes and um, Bailey, who is five, turned to me and goes, you know, Dad, it's okay, we're practicing for Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Which, y'all get it, I mean, it's the most profound thing a five-year-old has probably ever said. And, and I've been thinking about that because I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of just how they're going to respond or what's the right age, 
you know, with all that commotion of trying to do all the things that you want to do and being hangry and all that kind of stuff. And so my interest was in a, in a story about Disney World that was in, in, in my news feed this week. And it was, a, and it was a, a story about a child with autism at one of the Orlando Universal Studios. And a little boy named Ralph who had this really large goal of wanting to ride the amazing adventures of Spider-Man. And so the ride in this theme park is near the, um, it's near the exit, so his parents were like, well, let's do all the things that we need to do in the park, and then as we're leaving, we'll, we'll go ride the amazing adventures of Spider-Man. And so after waiting in line for a really long time at the end of the day, when I'm sure he was as hungry as could be, and he was just to the place where he could see the, the line and the actual ride and people getting on, the ride broke down. And Ralph lost it, and he probably lost it more than many people would consider to be appropriate. And so as he was laying there screaming and crying, and as people shared, he could hardly breathe. People were stepping over him to get around him, and strangers were staring. They probably had their phones out. And then a park employee did something unusual. She came over. And she laid down next to Ralph. And she let him cry. And she helped him to breathe. And she told him that it was all right to be sad. And she kept laying there until the boy felt better. And then because she was a park employee, she went to the little convenience store and purchased some Spider-Man trinkets from the gift shop. And they hugged and they went on their separate ways. And then the boy's parents shared the experience on Facebook, and just like the Spirit caused new life into the church, y'all can imagine how that went, and everything else is history. I think I, I find this story so moving because the worker did not try to cover up the feelings of the young boy or to make his rage go away or even seem unimportant. In fact, it was quite the opposite. She uncovered who he was. She wasn't embarrassed by it. Instead, she laid down with it. An incredibly radical act of love and hospitality and beauty. She laid with a boy. And instead of covering up or belittling his rage or grief, she, embarrassed, she embraced it. There's this 1980s, there was this pseudo-spiritual classic bestseller called Original Blessing by a Catholic priest named Matthew Fox. And he argued about creation spirituality. And he said the premise basically is that God makes everything good before sin enters the world. So much of our lives have been focused on sin or focusing on the things we don't like or the things that we're embarrassed about or the things that we want to cover up. And we have this kind of concept about sin breaking in, meaning humanity is flawed, and, and, and yes, there is sin, and yes, we are flawed. I don't want to dismiss all of that. But what takes place in the first story of creation, as Fox argues, is that God looks at everything. God looks at the animals and says it's good. God looks at the plants and says they're good. God looks at humanity and says that humanity is very good. 
And then, in the next story of creation, we as human beings begin to cover, we cover it up. And so, with these Greek words of, of truth, of uncovering, the question becomes, you know, it, what, is it that, what is it that we're uncovering? And if sin is something that Adam and Eve have to put on clothes, they were naked, they were exposed before that. It's actually something, who they are is something good. The little things that they probably didn't like about themselves are probably the unique things that God has made. So blessing then is the opposite of covering up. It is a revealing. It is there in every human being waiting to be revealed for the world to see. It's the question of how we can see the spirit at work in the world. This idea of truth is not telling people they're wrong, but it is uncovering goodness. One of those questions of being spiritual people is wondering if we put the thrust of our identity on the things that we don't like or the things that we think are wrong and not seeing what is beautiful and good. I mean, I think that's human nature to want to cover up what we don't want others to see. And, and certainly we have this idea that there is darkness and evil and sin and brokenness in the world. But it's interesting when we acknowledge blessing, which is largely what a baptism is, we're gathered here to, to, to see four children blessed. It is an uncovering of their identity. It's an uncovering of their goodness that is lurking beneath. So that question of the thrust of Christianity should be to shed the clothing, not literal, but the coverings, <laughs> to expose beauty and hope and let blessing break through. I think one of my favorite passages of scripture lately has been Acts 10, 15, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And I believe that God has made the whole world new. The thrust of our lives in this age of seeking truth should not be about finding what's wrong with other people. It should be the opposite. It should be about uncovering goodness and letting God's love break through. Pentecost is about celebrating the spirit, the spirit that is left with us, that is here, that has helped churches grow, that is left with us, a spirit of truth and uncovering. There is a lot of goodness and hope and beauty in this world. May we all work to uncover it for everyone to see. Amen.